ESPN Radio. You're listening to ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, streaming live on ESPN+. Plus. Harry Douglas, Courtney Cronin, taking you up until 7 p.m. on the East Coast. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Be sure to tune in tonight for 76ers and Raptors Game 2. Coverage begins 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. And... The woman on the call for this game tonight joins us now here on ESPN Radio. Roz Gold on Wood A, ESPN basketball analyst who is everywhere this week, 76ers Raptors game two. And then on Thursday, game three between the Grizzlies and the T Wolves. Coverage begins 7 p.m. Eastern time, and you can hear Roz over there. Roz, before we get to the game that you're calling tonight, I wanted to ask you about Kyrie Irving and his actions towards Boston fans in game one. Do you feel like that was justified given what was going on in the crowd? Boston fans are notorious um, for being, you know, really tough and especially rough on Kyrie Irving, whether, you know, he's deserving or not. There needs to be an etiquette in the arena. Um, I'm personally um, on edge right now for the safety of players um, on the court. I actually was at the game for sidelines for the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Memphis Grizzlies when, you know, a fan ran, ran onto the court and obviously you know, change herself to a rim and had to be, have it cut and then carried off the court. I just think, um, look, that's all it was, but it's dangerous. And so I don't want to continue to see an escalation of fan behavior getting to a point where something terrible happens and, and we're all looking at, like, how did it escalate to this? There should be um, a code of ethics, I think, going both ways between the players and the fans. It's a great way to put it. Now, Ross, I want to talk to you about the 76ers. Did we see enough from them to put them in the championship category this year? Oh, yeah, for sure. I think they absolutely. You know, that, that top group of the East, they're all good. <laughs> you know, it could be the Bucks, It could be the 76ers. It could be the Heat. You know, it could be the Celtics. Celtics look good. Like, um, and, and, you know, for all the conversation we had in the regular season, should all these top teams be dodging the Nets? Any of these teams are good. There's no reason to dodge. They're all good. Um, 76ers have depth. Uh, James Harden, um, Joel Embiid, they didn't shoot so well. They didn't have these dominant scoring games. But they did come in and do their jobs. Like James Harden came in, was an excellent playmaker with 14 assists. And that's the kind of aggressiveness he needs to bring to the offensive end. I thought Joel Embiid did a great job setting the tone for the physicality of the series. And also he did great on the rebounds, on the boards. And that was a big key to the game for both teams who could control the glass. And he set a tone there as a big man. But beyond that, they have a number of other role players who have been finding good moments. Obviously, Tyrese Maxey just is really blossoming as a true third option. And with, you know, all eyes and attention on Joel Embiid and James Harden, he's gone off. Tobias Harris, I think, is an unsung hero for this team, just being ready for whatever with, with Harden coming in, Maxi emerging, and Joel Embiid being an MVP candidate. He's just ready for whatever in the first or second unit. Um, and I also thought Shake Milton had, a nice, had nice moments off the bench. So I see a team that's deep, that's hungry, that's matured, um, and that is on time. This is their clock. This is their window. 
We're talking with Roz Gold on Wood A, ESPN basketball analyst, who is on the call for 76ers Raptors game two tonight. Uh, coverage begins 7 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN Radio in the ESPN app. You mentioned Tyrese Maxey and all that he's achieved at a very early point of his career this year, being thrust into the mix for the starting point guard role and then having to adjust his game for one uh, when James Harden gets traded to Philadelphia and having to work around playing with one of the more on-ball dominant players in the NBA. Do you feel like Tyrese Maxey, is it safe to say that he's more vital to Philly's success in the postseason than James Harden, just given what we know about Harden's playoff repertoire previously, or or is that an overreaction? It feels like an overreaction to me. <laughs> and it, it feels a little unnecessary. I mean, I, I think there is a team, it's a team game. Um, you know, everyone should be helping each other flourish. I think that uh, James Harden's presence absolutely takes some pressure off of Maxie, who can just be a young player and, and focus on, you know, finding his opportunities to score and be more free. And, uh, and, I, and you know, it takes a lot of concentration and understanding of uh, the system and what players need and time and situation to be the point guard um, of any team. And so James Harden coming in midseason or later than midseason, um, that was no easy task. And so he's got a lot on his plate and, and – I mean, this, James Harden is a generational talent. <laughs> I wouldn't say that just yet, that Maxi is, um, you know, more important than James Harden. James has a really important role. He had 14 assists last game. If James Harden does nothing on the court and just stands there, he's still going to attract and have a gravitational pull on the defense. Um, so, you know, I think for James, this is a situation he wanted to be in, contending for a championship with star players who are actually on the court and not all the pressure on him, and it was becoming that way with the Nets, with everybody kind of being off the court for a while in a regular season. And for Maxi, he gets a little pressure taken off of him. And then for Joel Embiid, they're running the pick and roll and the pick and pop, and Joel's just being Embiid. He's doing his thing. He's in the groove, and I'm really proud of and happy for him, the growth I've seen in his game and, and maturity and leadership. Roz, when you look at this Raptors team, they're going to be without Scotty Burns and Gary Trent Jr., how do they make up that production uh, defensively and offensively with a Scotty Burns and offensively with a Gary Trent Jr.? Yeah, they, they miss Scotty Barnes because, first of all, this is a rookie of the year candidate. Um, this is someone who brings great versatility. He's a Swiss Army knife um, for and can do a whole lot of things for this team. He, you know, when this team had injuries throughout the season, one of the reasons they were able to still kind of find their way was he could be plugged into different versatile situations and positions uh, for Nick Nurse's squad and step up. And um, there's a poise about him that's more than his years. Um, they miss him on the offensive and defensive end. Um, but I, I don't think that by any means is it all over for the uh, the Raptors tonight. They're very much a, a balanced team anyway. There's five players that average 15 points or more. Um, in general, they're a team where you take one guy out, it, it, you don't, it's not over. You know, there's so many different players that contribute. Uh, Nick Nurse is an excellent coach. And in general, the Raptors program has been one that's developed um, role players throughout along the length of their roster. Um, it's games like this that are actually sneaky and tricky. And uh, it, it would be best for the 76ers to be on alert. 
Roz, before we let you go, and then we're talking with Roz Gold on what a ESPN basketball analyst here on ESPN Radio. I wanted to switch gears and, and talk about the West rather quickly. Uh, is Golden State the biggest threat to the Suns over there? I mean, we've seen this reinvention of their death lineup, which you spent a lot of time out there covering this team. So you saw what it was initially. What's your take on this variation of it? And do you feel like nobody else stands a chance against the Suns except the Warriors? Um, anytime the Warriors get Stephen Curry back, you know, you're automatically a contender again. Um, and it's just a, a matter of we haven't really seen a whole lot of Clay, a whole lot of Draymond, and a whole lot of Steph together on the court at once. Um, I like what I'm seeing from Clay. Seems like he's kind of finding a little bit of uh, consistency at the right time heading, heading into now the playoffs. Um, Jordan Poole has been a revelation. And I know never to count Stephen Curry out for many years of being his sideline reporter. Um, and I think Draymond gives you an edge and an X factor. Uh, you know, they've, they've got a lot of guys who have been there. You know, you think about Andre Iguodala. This is his time. This is what they're paying him for, playoffs uh, impact. And I, I love Kavon Looney, who hasn't missed a game all season, who is um, just someone that they can lean on and that understands what it, win- what it means to win championships. It's a nice combination of youth and fresh energy and those guys who have done it before. Um, so, you know, I think they're trending in the right direction. I might be biased when I say don't ever count the Warriors out. Rightfully so. I think the Suns are, are the favorite to come out the West. They've been the most dominant. They are a very deep team. They've been working for this moment since the bubble, um, and it starts from the top down. I Like I said, I was on the Grizzlies game with the Timberwolves, and that was an anticlimactic start for them in Memphis on game one. But I still wouldn't count the young guys out. Um, but I, I don't have them as a bigger threat than the Warriors to the Suns simply because – experience matters and there's mm-hmm. they, they still got a little more playoff experience together uh perhaps before they take it all the way to the finals but who knows you know them young guns they say what is it uh youthful ignorance like <laughs> it can sometimes work in your favor so. <laughs> all right she is Roz Gold on what a espn basketball analyst who will be on the call for game two between the 76ers and raptors tonight coverage begins 7 p.m eastern time on espn radio and the espn app you can also hear her on thursday game three between the grizzlies and t wolves coverage begins 7 p.m eastern time Roz, thanks so much for the time yeah nice to chat with you thank you thank you Straight ahead, prior to the start of the series between the Nets and Celtics, Kyrie Irving said it's time for Boston fans to move on. Is he right, and is he following his own advice? We'll get into that next. ESPN Radio, ESPN App.
ESPN Radio. Kyrie Irving has a funny way of uh, letting his actions match up with his words before the Nets-Celtics series tipped off. Last week, he said that Celtics fans who are still upset with him for you know, saying he wants to stay with the organization and then, re- then not re-signing there, signing with the Nets instead, he says that the grudges that they hold over him need to be put in the past. Quote, move forward. Just a new paradigm, baby. That's what he said last week, and uh, clearly <laughs> things did not play out that way in game one, a 115-114 loss for the Brooklyn Nets at the hand of the Boston Celtics yesterday. And well, now we have to uh, look at ourselves here and wonder, is there a statue of limitations that comes into play for when fan bases can hold grudges versus when they cannot? This is ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, ESPN Plus. Courtney Cronin and Harry Douglas taking you up to the top of the hour. You can join in the conversation on the Canty call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. So, Yesterday, there were a couple double birds thrown out. Harry, Kyrie Irving says, well, this is just the first time that you guys have caught me doing this. So apparently he must have done this before. There were some bad words exchanged between himself and some fans. And this comes days after Kyrie tells Boston fans that it's time to move on. Does this not seem all too hypocritical from Kyrie Irving? It does, but I I will say this. And it's crazy I feel this way. I like to see this, though. I like to see the player and the fan uh, go back and forth, but under good measures, not things being thrown and players going into the stands. And we don't want to see it at that level. But I love the back and forth because I thought it made for great TV and I thought it was good for the game of basketball, right? You see Kyrie Irving, a guy who's at the TD Garden back in Boston playing where he's not welcome at any moment, if you was to ask me. You see him scoring time and time again and letting the Boston crowd know that, yes, I am here, I've arrived, and y'all going to have to deal with me every single time that I come to this place. But on the flip side of it, you see the Boston fans at the end of the day, who got the last, last laugh and Jason Tatum, a guy who scored the game-winning bucket. Um, you see the way they played defense on their last possession against a Kyrie and a Kevin Durant, two guys who are mega superstars in today's game in the NBA. So I like this. I just don't want it to get out of hand. But I, th- I thought it was good for basketball, especially playoff basketball, and I think it, it made for great TV as well. It certainly did, and I think ratings for Game 2 will be up because of the tight nature of the game on Sunday and the fact that it came down to a last-second layup from Jason Tatum to have, help the Boston Celtics escape with the win. That's one thing, but the on-court antics certainly up the ante for the level of competition, for what the stakes mean between these two teams and also between Kyrie Irving and the fans. Now, the one thing that doesn't sit well with me is his comments about fans need to move on. Like, if you're going to say that, oh, gosh, these these silly fans, you know, they're so caught up in what happened a couple years ago and, you know, yeah, I might have stepped on the logo at, at center court last year in game four of the Eastern Conference semifinals and somebody might have thrown a water bottle at me, but, you know, you guys just need to move on. So why, if you're asking them to move on and you're trying to give this holier-than-thou approach, why aren't you taking the high road? Why are you flipping the double bird? Why are you swearing at fans? Why are you getting caught up in it? Like, if you're so – I mean, this is a guy who sages the court before games and, you know, decided not to get the vaccine for whatever personal reason and, you know, cost his team 
to get the, their playoff positioning. I mean, they're a seven seed for a reason because of the games yeah. that they lost when he wasn't playing. And now you're getting caught up in mess in a mess that could potentially snowball into something bigger because, yeah, it's cute and fun right now with people chirping at each other, Harry. But who's to say that there aren't going to be water bottles thrown again or other nonsense because we know fans can't control themselves by and large and the Boston fan base is different uh, in many respects. Like, it just, again, I feel like I keep bringing up the hypocrisy word when it comes to Kyrie Irving because you tell people, come on, guys, let's just move on. Like, you know, what happened in the past is in the past, yet you're still trying to catch that smoke here in cur- the current day. It doesn't. None of this is lining up for me. Yeah, I, I will say this, and I'll be honest. I, I think Kyrie, um, in yesterday's game, I thought he got caught up in the moment. Now, I will say this, Kyrie being caught up in the moment, it doesn't alter his game because I do believe mentally he knows how to compartmentalize certain things and it doesn't affect his play. But he got caught up in the moment. Sometimes things like that happen, right? Because at the end of the day, we all have feelings and we all understand things that are being said and things that are going on. Okay, they want to say this, they want to hate me, I'm going to give them 39. Only thing is that he needed 40-41 yeah, to get sure the victory. Did. But he played lights-out basketball, and he was the guy at the end of the game. And in crunch time, normally I'm on the side of Kevin Durant needs the basketball, let him shoot it. I wanted Kyrie every time down the court to have a basketball and take the shot yesterday because of uh, Kevin Durant not being there 100% and not playing at the level that we're accustomed to seeing him play at. But I do believe Kyrie Irving got caught up in the moment, but he is one of those guys that knows how to separate things and not let it affect his play out there on the court as well. Yeah, we'll see if that continues into game two and beyond. Kevin Durant said that he didn't think that Kyrie chirping back and forth of the fans was going to affect anything moving forward, and and Kyrie echoed those sentiments, but ESPN radio host Chris Carlin seems to align with what I feel at this point about Kyrie Irving, that his reaction to fans in Boston was just totally unnecessary. Take a listen. I don't buy any of this because Kyrie is soft here, okay? When you're letting all of this stuff get to you, but then you're going back at it with the fans and you're going off, that's great. You want to call it, you're feeding your energy, that's awesome. Um, He's not right for the things that he did, but I get it where that kind of thing can happen. But don't say in one breath, it's no big deal, and then in another breath say, well, I'm feeding off of it, and it it all does everything I can to get me going. What's going to happen if you're not playing all that well? Are you going to have that same energy coming in game two? You know, we had 37 yesterday. It was a lot easier to do that and have that mentality. He says one thing and then he does another. This is kind of a common theme here with Kyrie Irving, not just this incident, but other things that have been tied to him in the past. And I just find it so rich that he tells the fans of Boston, who are clearly still upset from what he said a few years ago, yeah, I want to resign with the Celtics, and then pieced out of there after two seasons and joined forces with Kevin Durant to go ring chase. And then everything that happened last year, where he stomps on the logo, he marches off the court at the end of the game, gets a water bottle thrown at him. It's, you know, the fans' fault at that point because that's just ridiculous behavior. But, like, it's not, a, this is a two way street. Like, you, like what Rosgold on Woody uh, brought up last segment, which I thought was a good point. There has to be a code of ethics, not just for the fans, but for the players as well. And, you know, keeping, keeping what's on the court on the court and not having this thing spill over because it feels like it could certainly affect uh, the, the health and safety of players, but also just like the overall product that we're going to see moving forward. Um, so, yeah, game two, 
Celtics and Nets comes your way Wednesday. Coverage on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. Straight ahead, should the winner of Net Celtics, that series, be favored over Milwaukee? That's next. ESPN Radio, ESPN+. Plus. ESPN Radio. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Be sure to tune in tonight for 76ers and Raptors Game 2 action. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. You're listening to ESPN Radio on the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and on ESPN. Plus, Courtney Cronin and Harry Douglas taking you up to the top of the hour. If you want to join in the conversation, the number to get in on the Canty call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888 776 topic du jour is how justified was Kyrie Irving with his actions towards Boston fans during game one of the Nets loss at TD Garden 888-729-3776 all right it's time for a couple more NBA playoffs game one overreactions we're going to welcome in our producer Shannon Penn to uh dish us up with some hot takes what do you got Shannon all right, here we go. Uh, NBA playoff game one overreactions. Courtney, I'll start with you on this first question. The Dallas Mavericks have no shot without Luka Doncic in their lineup. Is that an overreaction? No, I don't think so. Hell I no. think that it's I think it's really difficult when you take a look at this team <laughs> that shot thirty eight percent and twenty eight percent on threes without Luka there. Like they have to be cautious with his injury. I get that, and we know he's not going to be playing in game two. But, like, this is going to be the same thing it always is. Their stay in the playoffs will be brief, and without him it's going to be even shorter than uh, what we typically, I guess, would expect, that maybe this team would make it to the second round this year. That's not happening. They're out the first. Yeah, I think it's not an overreaction. When I looked at that game, Utah actually ran their offense to by, uh, through Bogdanovich and did a great job in doing so. We're forgetting that Donovan Mitchell in that game didn't have a good first half. Picked it up in the second half. You have a Rudy Gobert who's going to be an anchor in the middle. Altered a lot of shots of the Dallas Mavericks. And I will say, Luka not being there, you see the looks are not as clean as if Luka was playing. So I think if they had a chance to win a game, it was in game one. They didn't do so. Um, they missed a lot of shots down, down the stretch that could have propelled them to actually probably get that win. 
So I don't think this is an overreaction at all. All right, let's move on to another series here in the NBA playoffs. We're looking at NBA playoff game one overreactions. Harry, this special one is for you. You better watch your mouth. The Atlanta Hawks will get swept by the top-seeded Miami Heat. Harry, is that an overreaction? You damn right it's an overreaction. How dare you disrespect my Hawks on these national airwaves on ESPN Radio right now, Shannon. Now, I need to say this. The NBA, I got a bone to pick with you guys. Let me tell you why. Yes, the Hawks played two games. They played a night game against the Cleveland Cavaliers. They played one against the Charlotte Hornets. But then they flew all the way to South Beach. Yes, I said South Beach, even though I know they play in Brickell. That's where the arena is. But I'm going to say South Beach. They flew all the way down there. Not only that, they had a 1 o'clock start. You talk about disrespecting as high as fashion. It's not the first time the NBA disrespected the Hawks. They disrespected them this year, too, on Christmas Day by making them go to Madison Square Garden after they thumped the Knicks last year and Trey Young took a bow in Madison Square Garden. So NBA, get it right. But I will say this. The Hawks shot so poorly. All I could do is say, say, a, say a phrase that Dick, Dick uh, LeBeau told me when I was with Tennessee Titans. Sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes the bear gets you. Trey Young was one for 12. I don't see that happening. I hope it doesn't happen again. And I need my Hawks to understand one thing. There are two sharpshooters on the Miami Heat team. That's Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero. Duncan Robinson had 27 points. You might want to get up in his airspace a little bit more and defend a little bit better. But uh, my Hawks would not get swept. No, no, no. I can't wait for games three and four, Shannon. You want to know why, Shannon? You want to mm-hmm. know why I wait for games three and four? Okay. Because I'm going to be in State Farm Arena oh. yelling and screaming. So I might lose my voice. I don't know. All of that, I don't know, Courtney. What do you think? It sounds like a lot of excuses that were made yes. for why the uh, Hawks played so poorly in game <laughs> one. What do you think? Oh, ga- uh, uh, game one overreactions. Will the Hawks get swept by the E? What say to you, Courtney? I don't think it's an overreaction, and I'm sorry, Harry. I mean, I agree with what he was saying, that that you're not going to have Bogdanovich and Trey Young shooting a combined 1 of 20 from the field and 0 for 11 from 3. Like That's not going to happen again. But the Heat had the fourth best defensive rating in the league this year during the regular season. So nothing is going to come easy for the Atlanta Hawks in this series. But – this is not like this shouldn't be rocket science. Like the Heat are a very good team, but the Hawks are in the playoffs for a reason. I don't feel like it should be blowout after blowout. I think it's going to be some close games, but I also, you know, there's a reason that the Heat were the one seed and Atlanta's where they are. So I, I think that they will end up getting swept this series, but it's not going to be blowouts the way that this first game looked. All right, this a last question kind of combines two series here, Courtney. I'll sure. ask you. The winner of the Brooklyn Nets-Boston Celtics series should be favored over the Milwaukee Bucks if they get past the Chicago Bulls. What say you? Well, I think there's kind of like a common theme. We were just talking about like the Heat and their defense. Like last year when the Bucks won their first NBA championship, like all of a sudden who they were defensively, like their identity changed when they were in the postseason. They finished number one among playoff teams in defensive efficiency after they were like in the bottom ten during the regular season. Like this year, their defense in the regular season absolutely took a step back. But what we saw yesterday, it's kind of like what the blueprint was last year. I know it was one game. I know it was the Chicago Bulls who couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with their big three that just absolutely did not show up there in the fourth quarter. Um, But, you know, at this point, I don't think that I'm taking Nets, Celtics, whoever comes out of that series – specifically if it's the Nets. I'm not taking the winner of that series over the defending champs. I just won't do it. 
Ooh, for me, if it's one team that I have to pick, I would say the Celtics, just because of what they've done since January. You look at the defense, the stifling defense that they played against the Brooklyn Nets. Not only that, uh, the entire year uh, since January, the second half of the season, but Robert Williams wasn't even out there in that game against the Brooklyn Nets. He will be back if they win that series. Robert Williams will be back. That's another guy. So I'll say if there's anybody that I can pick, it will be the Celtics because of the defense they play, but not only because of the defense that they play, they have two guys that could go for 30 or 40. That's Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. So I'm going to say if, if I have to pick one, one team, it will be the Boston Celtics. All right, thank you for that, Shannon, and thank you for that, Harry. Uh, if you weren't watching the NBA playoffs this weekend, you might have been dabbling in the USFL, which launched on Saturday. whole lot of teams, more teams than I thought were possible uh, to be in this startup football league. Uh, that action was uh, very interesting over the weekend. Not sure what we're taking away from the on-field product, but there's some behind-the-scenes stuff that is real intriguing. You're never going to believe why one USFL team cut a player. Carrie and I discuss next here at ESPN Radio, ESPN App. ESPN Radio. So we've been talking a lot this afternoon on ESPN Radio about Kyrie Irving's interaction with Boston fans during game one of the Net Celtics series and whether it got out of hand, whether it was just right, or whether Kyrie Irving's a giant hypocrite all along because he told fans that they needed to move on two years after he departed for the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, but my co-host, Harry Douglas, is a former professional athlete, a wide receiver in the NFL, and myself, Courtney Cronin. I have a question for you, Harry, because Uh-oh. I know that Kyrie Irving and like the NBA, there's fewer players, so they're all targets uh, for fan interactions. Have you ever got into it with any fans the way that Kyrie Irving did? I have plenty of times, but – I'm going to give you a few times that happened in the same city, right? Uh, 2016, I was with the Tennessee Titans. We were playing at Kansas City. Now, granted, it's about negative 16, negative 17 degrees. It's really, really cold outside. And it came down to a last-second kick. And our field goal kicker had missed the first attempt for us to win the game. 
But Kansas City called a timeout, and the fans behind our bench didn't realize it was a timeout. So it was a guy particularly saying the craziest things to me, stuff I can't even repeat. So when I realized it was a timeout being called, I said it was a timeout, dummy. Now we get another chance. I field goal kicker at the time, Ryan Suckup, happens to make that field goal. Now, Courtney, I cannot repeat the things that I said. And not only did I say it from the bench, I went behind the bench up there close to the stands just to let him know how I felt about him prematurely celebrating that the Chiefs had won, thinking that we missed the field goal kick. Now, if I was to say those things, all of it would have to get dumped. Now, those of you who don't understand how the dump button works, when you say bad things on air, it gets dumped or it gets beat. So I can't say that on air. Now, the same city, Kansas City, the following year, we played them in the first round of the playoffs. Fans are talking crazy. We go down big in that game. We happen to be, I happen to be sitting right there in my same spot. Now, it's a different guy this time. And Courtney, I asked him, I said, hey, is that your wife beside you? That's what I asked him. He said, yeah, that's my wife. I told him to be quiet before I took her away from him. Hell no. And she, at one point, she didn't <laughs> defend it or nothing. She just sat there and looked. She didn't look at him. She just sat there and looked like, he's probably right, honey. You probably <laughs> need to shut up. Now, was I going to go up there in the stands and take his wife? No, because I'm happily married. But it was just the fact that he was talking reckless that I had to let him know. I'll come up there and take your wife from you, man. Be quiet. Want to give a special thanks to our guests that joined us here on ESPN Radio this afternoon. NBA National NBA writer for the Boston Globe, Gary Washburn, Robert Griffin III, ESPN NFL analyst, and Roz Goldenwood, ESPN basketball analyst, joining Courtney Cronin and Harry Douglas this afternoon. Now it's time to go three and out, a way that we're going to end the show here on ESPN Radio. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is. All right, real. And out. I always botch that open uh, because the production just trips me up there. Uh, But before we get into three and out, we're going to take a call from Davis in Minneapolis. The Canty call in line was open. And we patiently waited, so we appreciate that. Davis, you're on ESPN Radio. What you got? Uh, thank you. The uh, that Rosgo was an amazing interview. But I, um, Courtney, I like you. I think you know a lot about a lot of sports. You carry Harry during the uh, the uh, Masters uh, coverage. Clearly, he doesn't know golf. But I can't let you get away with the comments about Kaepernick. He, the reason why Cap's not in the NFL is because he protested. A racial uh, injustice for black people by in policing, and that's why it's not. It's not because of his talent or not because of his drive. And to suggest that somehow he has to play in a lesser league, you know, to get back in into the NFL, is ignoring what happened. I think the question would be: Is the NFL now willing to accept players who have a social conscience, right? Or are they still racist? And and so that's really the comment I had to make. I think it's a blind spot to suggest that somehow that Cap has to prove that he really wants to play. Davis, appreciate the call. And I think you bring (laughs) up a good point here. Um, I don't think anyone has, you know, neglected 
to to state the fact that we know why Colin Kaepernick is not playing in the NFL. Like to me, that's you know a basis of knowledge that every single human being that talks about the NFL should have at this point. It's not really bears worth repeating that we know he took a knee in protest against police brutality and other injustices towards people of color. What I'm trying to say is you have opportunities now to play and prove that six years removed from your last game during the 2016 season that you still got it, that you can show these NFL teams like, yeah, because they're going to have doubt about that, Harry. And I think that that's, you know, it is what it is at this point. But like, if you want to play in the NFL and if you want to be a quarterback at the backup level, and he said then that I Am Athlete podcast, he doesn't want to stay a backup for long, that you've got to show that you still have it. Because, I mean, you know, we, we understand why he's not playing. Like That's a moot point at this point. It's been six years. Time yeah. has taken over here. And I want to know, can he still throw the football? Can he still read defenses? All these things. Because we, I really find it hard to believe that he's been practicing every single day at that level. You know what I mean? Like, I need to see. And I well, think other teams want to see It's that. hard to mimic game-like activity, especially at the quarterback position. So you, you have to be involved in team activities. That's why I said if he does get on with a team, him being in that team atmosphere going against uh, the number one defense or the number two defense, it'll be good for him because uh, even though it's not mimicking a game, you can mimic game-like situations. When you're by yourself yeah. and you're doing routes on air with receivers, you can't mimic those things. And that's another reason why the first thing I said when I started to talk on this topic is, is that it's a shame that Kaepernick lost his job the way he did um, for the reason that he did, because I did not think he should have lost his job because I thought a lot of people had it misconstrued when he was taking the knee and thinking that he was against the national anthem when that wasn't the case at all. And I got to tell my man, no, man, I don't play golf. Okay, I don't. I'm trying to learn. Okay, Harry, you did find during the master segment. Don't, I thought don't you don't be agree. here calling me out, and I'm trying to learn how to play golf and stuff. That's all you right. doing your boy like that. <laughs> all right, let's go three and out. Three and out brought to you by Fidelity Investments. So the USFL debuted this weekend, and whether you watch the games or not, there's some behind the scenes stuff with act- things that took place off the field that are pretty intriguing and makes me wonder if this is a bit or not. So if you Search USFL Pizza on Twitter. You're going to find a clip of a team that cut a player for wanting a pizza instead of a chicken salad in the team hotel. So this is Pittsburgh coach Kirby Wilson. He cut running back Devon Smith for a very strange reason. And I don't know what to think about this. I mean, Harry, you've seen the clip. I don't know if this is fake or not, but it feels like there's a whole lot of college antics that have leaked into the USFL with a coach wanting complete control over what the players are putting into their body. And basically, the coach, Kirby Wilson, apparently got upset with his running back, Devon Smith, for wanting to eat one thing and not eat another and, you know, was saying that it was disrespectful to the workers and you can see Devon Smith pleading and saying, I didn't say anything bad. All I said is, yeah, I don't want a piece of pizza. It's going to be a problem. Like, I I want something. I I don't want chicken salad. I want a piece of pizza or something else. Well, I will say this. The only thing that I can think, and I'm, I'm hoping this is the only case, is that they have him on a weight requirement, right? And within those weight requirements, you you shouldn't be eating certain things. That's the only thing I could think of because if it's not that, it was bogus and crazy to me. When I was watching it, I was like, 
just because he wanted a piece of pizza and didn't want chicken salad, a tuna salad, whatever it was, doesn't make sense. Now, when I did play, we did have guys that had to be a certain weight, and if they, they weren't that weight, they were fine. I was a guy that I had to be a certain weight but heavier. So I would get weighed in on, on, on weigh-in day, and if I wasn't a certain weight, yes, I would get fine. So, and it was hard as hell for me to gain weight. That's the only thing I could think of. But if it wasn't that, that's bogus and not right. Yeah, cutting Smith over a food choice. Real bad look for the USFL in its first weekend of action. Remember, these leagues that pop up in the spring, you know, everybody's intrigued for the first weekend. And if those storylines don't carry over and the intrigue carry over to the second and third weekends, you're going to lose viewership. I don't care if it has the NFL's backing or not. Okay, real quick. Marshawn Lynch became a minority investor in the NHL's expansion team, the Seattle Kraken. Um, we've seen him drive around a Zamboni. That was really cool. Uh, he did it at the team's practice facility. He and rapper Macklemore are the newest minority owners of the Kraken. You know, Marshawn Lynch has done this thing right, Harry. Retired at 30, was you know, a minority owner in a professional franchise by his mid-30s. I think this is the motto, model to follow. It's simple for me. Marshawn Lynch told a lot of you young guys, protect your chickens. Mm-hmm. That means save your money. Don't spend it on nonsense. I know a lot of guys that played in the National Football League or any sport that don't even touch game checks. They just touch the money that they get endorsement deals off of. Be smart with your money. Have a financial advisor, one that's not going to take your money. And learn about your own money. Don't just put it into the hands of somebody else. Learn about what your money is doing and what it represents. Yeah. Do that, and you'll be all right. Protect your chickens. Real quick, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are going to play Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen in the match on June 1st. Who you got in this one? I got the old heads. I got okay. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. They like fine wine. All right, we got to get out of here. Straight ahead, 76ers and Raptors. Game 2 action coming your way here on ESPN Radio. We'll see you tomorrow.